Maukang means halal lah. Oh. <laughs> hey, wait, uh, I'm seeking. Oh, that's a nice cup. Lee Sien Long. Uh, yeah, man. Smaller. <laughs> okay. Let me check the page to see if we are live yet. Mm. I should go to Huahi, right? Yeah, uh, go to Huahi. It's there. Uh. So I will see if we have any questions as well. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Is there okay? Wonderful. Okay. So um, hi everyone. Thank you for uh, joining today's session. Um, so today yeah. we have. Uh, okay. So um, sorry, I have to move this. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So we have uh, Kelly. Uh, as well as Eugene. So Kelly and Eugene, maybe uh, Kelly, you introduce yourself first. Sure. Hi, my name is Kelly. Uh, I think uh, most people would think I'm a lady, but I'm not. I'm a guy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I run, I run a company called Neuro. Basically, we do uh, bring computing uh, platform. Basically, we, we help empower people in mental health as well as uh, brain fitness. Um, so today, I uh, thank you so much, uh, you know, Hey Hua He and Christopher for inviting me on, online so that I can share my story. Uh, my story is basically with about my wife and I and our family, how uh, you know we we had uh, gone through this whole ordeal of um, my wife having a very rare cancer. It was so rare that uh, it was only I think three hundred over cases in the whole world documented. Um, and you know I I like to you know share some of this so that you know hopefully this inspires some people who are going through the same ordeal. Uh, as, as myself. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's really, uh, thank you so much for like being open to share about this topic. Um, it is very difficult, but I think it's something that's very important to address. Um, so, I mean, uh, just to give some context, we are talking today about, you know, what happens if you get cancer, what should you do if you get a diagnosis, and also, um, because Kelly, you have this experience of supporting your wife. So how do you support um, someone who has cancer? What do you even say to them? Um, and then for Eugene, it's definitely uh, the financial aspect. You know, how can you prepare yourself um, for such a situation beforehand? Um, and what are the things that we need to look out for when we are preparing ourselves for such a situation? Um, okay, so uh, Eugene, maybe you can intro yourself. And also uh, for the people who are watching, if you are here, can you say hi in the comments so that we know uh, who you are? Uh, if you had an experience uh, with cancer or you know somebody who's going through it, do share uh, your thoughts as well in the comments. Eugene, yeah. Uh, hi, I am a financial consultant and also a life coach and I've been helping uh, people with uh, protection and uh, unfortunately in the past three years I have a few cases where, where my clients had cancer so I, I managed the claims for them as well. Yeah. Mm. Okay, okay. So maybe we can just jump straight into the questions and then like if there's any questions that other people have who are watching that they could uh, respond as well. Mm. So um, maybe Kelly, you can share with us how did your wife find out about her diagnosis, uh, especially since it's so rare, like what uh, were the triggers, you know? Sure, so maybe I, I, I'll start with, uh, I think it's considered a double whammy because uh, before my wife uh, was diagnosed officially with cancer, her mom actually had cancer. Uh, and uh, she was fighting it, I think, for about two, three years before she passed away. Um, so when when my wife finally, um, you know, was diagnosed with cancer, it was really a double whammy. Um, so how how it started was it was uh, very innocent, right? I would call it very innocent, because one day um, she was just climbing up the stairs, and uh, she felt breathless. And uh, you know, when you think you're breathless, usually you think first thing is, uh, you know, am I unfit? Yeah. <laughs> Do I need to go to the gym? Right? Um, and uh, she, she didn't really think so much about it at first. Then what I think what really triggered it was that when she climbed one supply of stairs, she said that I felt like I was running a marathon. Mm. Um, so she went for a checkup, uh, you know, uh, like any, um, uh, I think, persons would, would do. Uh, but what happened was that, uh, you know, they diagnosed it as pneumonia. So this was... This was probably about nine months to a year before she got pro uh, properly diagnosed. 
so they they treated her with pneumonia um you know uh, uh you know medicine uh for about six months obviously nothing happened it, it became worse um and then they thought it was embolism which is bleeding of the lungs so they treated her for that by giving her uh, blood thinners for another three plus months and that didn't help so um, only, I think we were very, very lucky because uh, we, we, I think we have a very good public health system. Um, someone in NUH realized while looking at the, at the data that this is not normal. And, he, and I think that person uh, suggested to the doctor to say, okay, can, we need to really dig deep. We need to go and do a PET CT. So it's called PET CT scan. PET CT basically is using uh, nuclear medicine. So it's, it's you know, giving you a jab. Um, uh, having this radioactive uh, uh, liquid that goes in you, then you do a scan, a CT scan. Um, so it's a PET CT. So it's something that you don't usually do, right? Because when you do an X-ray, you only see certain like you know black spots. When you do a MRI, you only see certain spots. You can't you can't detect this kind of thing, um, especially this kind of rare cancer, uh, using those kind of uh, scans. You need to have a PET CT. So when she did the PET CT, it showed um, you know in her in a heart area. There was a, a there was energy right there was a, like a glow, so that that suggested very likely that it was um, it was it was a growth, um, and this growth was very aggressive. Uh, by the time we got it, it was what they consider uh, in a sarcoma. So a sarcoma is basically a type of cancer where uh, it's from the the muscles, right? So it can be from your cells inside. Her her cancer was called um, uh, pulmonary artery sarcoma, which is between the heart and the lung, so the, the tube that, that connects that, right? And the, the cancer was in that tube itself, the pulmonary artery itself, and grew from inside. So by the time it was detected, um, the doctor said that uh, her lungs was about 70, 80% blocked uh, on the left side. And uh, it seems like it's growing to the right side. Uh, so it might, it might cut across the heart or it might even go directly into the, into the right lung. So um, of course we were very anxious because at the time, um, this could mean life or death, right? In terms and of it was, it was so rare. That's why they didn't really, they weren't able to diagnose it like immediately. Correct. It was so rare that they thought it was something else. And like, and when, it was it very advanced already when they found out? Yes. So for sarcoma, it's called a level three. It's not. They don't. They use. They don't use the same like stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. But a level three is considered like a stage four cancer. Um, so it's aggressive. It, it was mm -hmm. it was growing fast. And we wanted to look for a, um, a doctor that could um, operate. But because it was so rare, I think it was tough to, to find the right doctor. And we had to do a lot of referrals here and there, trying to find the best surgeons to, to, to look at it. Mm. Um, but we were very lucky because um, one of the surgeons who was a, a private practitioner, he was doing his rounds in, in MUH and he saw it. And uh, he didn't tell us earlier, but this is the funny part, the funniest part of the story. Okay. He didn't tell us earlier, but okay. he has, he, when, he, when he operated, he had three cases. My wife is the third case. Two cases that he did it uh, a similar, uh, uh, you know, setting. He opened up and then he saw that it was already messed up. He said, inoperable. He had to close. So luckily, he didn't tell us that this was his experience. <laughs> Only after he operated, then he said, okay, congratulations. Your wife is the first person that I could operate on. Yeah, thankfully, he didn't tell you. He probably didn't want to tell you. Yeah, probably didn't want to tell us. So he was very positive. He was like, yeah, you must try, you must try. So I think... Uh, we were very lucky that we found the right uh, care and mm. right, the right people to, to operate on her. Yeah. Mm, mm. So they, they took away her whole lung. They, they mm. removed the whole left lung. And now she has one lung left. They rewired her, I call it rewired, rewired her heart and put a, a, like a little stand there. And uh, the body does not um, allow for voids in the body. So what happens is that your whole body will, will try to shift. So her heart is shifted towards the middle and then the, the void is filled up with, um, with liquid. So right. that's how the body survives and adapts. Okay, okay. I mean, uh, I remember uh, me, you talking about it like um, previously and um, it's good that now uh, everything is in a better place. Um, and then we can talk more about like the whole recovery later. Maybe Eugene, um, actually why we wanted to do this session was also, uh, I saw Eugene's post um, and then we were like, thinking, okay, it's, it's actually quite a good topic um, to talk about like cancer and stuff. Mm. Uh, maybe Eugene, you can share with us like why uh, you are so like passionate about this topic as well. Uh, 
I think very few people know that the highest occurrence of cancer is between age 36 to 45. Yeah, I think most people think it's like, you know, definitely above 65. Yeah. Which, uh, is statistically not, not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the next highest occurrence is from 45 to uh, 46 to 55. So basically, this middle age part is a uh, very high probability. Uh, unfortunately, just before that, I mean, I, I am in the age range, uh, yeah, and I have uh, three young kids. So I when I see the statistics, I, I get very worried, right? Because I, I'm still healthy, I'm energetic. I, people say, hey, you, I think, what, what if you get cancer? Yeah, cha, 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 cha. <laughs> it was like, what, what, got cancer? Yeah, so we, we don't like to think about such things. And um, a bit like COVID-19, uh, we, we tend to think other people will get it. It, it, yeah. will, it will be me. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, since I'm a life coach, right, and I want to help people achieve uh, abundance in life, and I think that this is like a blind spot. This, if people don't at least settle it, and it's not very expensive to settle, if people don't at least settle it, then how, how can they say, oh, I want to build a business, I want to achieve this, I want to travel mm-hmm. the world, right? Everything becomes just hot air the moment you get cancer, because then you have to dash all your dreams, borrow money from relatives, you know, settle medical bills, and not just medical bills. I mean, our government very good. So medical bill more or less will be taken care of. But after the hospitalization, right, people start to go into debt because then the company that hired them, let's say they were accountant. But by the way, this happened to me in Singapore Stock Exchange. My, my friend who was in the finance team, had quite stable job and all that, then get cancer. And so obviously had to stop work. So we started raising funds for, for him. And it has been happening over and over again to different people around me. Thankfully, not yet to me, but... I'm thinking, you know, it's time to really dispel all the misconceptions, you know. So, like, number one, you say, ah, no, 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 next time when I'm older, uh, you know, when I have higher probability of cancer, then I buy insurance. Uh, I say, uh, if you have higher probability, I don't think any insurance company wants to yeah. insure you, you know. They, they think that because of all these insurance agents walking around in Suntec, that people are really hard up for their business. Actually, the moment you got any health issue, it's the other way already. You'll be going around knocking on every insurer saying, please, please insure me, please insure me. And unfortunately, actually a lot of companies will not will not insure such a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe um, I, I just do a um, quick intro again as to what we are doing. So uh, today we are talking about cancer. What happens if you get cancer? Uh, what should you do if you get a diagnosis? So we have Kelly who's um, had his wife uh, as a cancer survivor and Eugene. Um, who are talking about um, how do we deal with a situation like this and how can you financially prepare yourself. So uh, we have a few people watching today. Um, hi, Sean. Um, if you are here, do say hi. Um, if you have any questions or maybe you had uh, cancer uh, and or you know somebody who has cancer, you can type in um, cancer in the comment section so we, are, we know you are here as well. Um, so maybe going to Kelly, right? Um, just want to ask you, um, what was your initial reaction when you found out? And how did your wife react to the situation? What's my initial reaction? Uh? Um, yeah. I, it actually comes to, to be to, to Eugene's point. I think there were two reactions. Oh, lucky I buy insurance. That was the, that was the first, <laughs> that was the first uh, reaction um, because um, we, we didn't know that um, how long drawn the whole process would be. Um, and uh, we were one of the lucky ones that actually did a um, uh, coverage that's hundred percent, so no co-payment. We right. did. Um, and uh, in our innocence, I think at the time we felt that uh, you know we could go through um, you know the public system, but at the end of the day, it was only a private doctor that could do the, the surgery. Mm-hmm. So it's good to actually cover both. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was my first reaction. Wow, lucky, right? We really because. I remember we bought the insurance maybe a couple, just a couple of years back, not too far back before that uh, you know this this uh, disaster strikes. Wow. The second the second thought in my mind was, um, oh no, uh, this this sounds like this sounds familiar. It sounds mm-hmm. like what her mom had went through, because her mom was based in uh, uh, in KL, so we had to fly. Uh, she had, she actually flew back to KL. And stayed there. I had to fly every weekend back to KL to to you know to to be with her and with her mom, right, in the hospital. So um, 
it felt like all again, like, like almost like Groundhog Day, you know, when you sleep and then you wake up and then the day repeats itself. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's, it's happening to my own wife. So I was like, wow. Uh, and also, I think it hits, it hit a, a kind of raw nerve on, on me. It's like, because um, I still remember very clearly when I was looking at, uh, you know, my, my mom-in-law and when she was lying there, um, uh, I said, no, mon- no amount of money in the world can actually save uh, my loved ones. Right. No, no amount of money, right? No matter how much, you know, uh, material, uh, you know, kind of things that you, you can gather through your life, no amount of money can actually save them now. So um, I think these are the, this is my initial reactions uh, mm-hmm. when I first heard, uh, you know, my wife had cancer. Right, right. Okay, so and then this was before you went on this whole search to find like the best care that you can find uh, at that point. Yes. Yes, to find the best care and to see who, how, um, how can how can it be treated? So we, mm-hmm. we even even thought of flying her over to stay overseas to US to somewhere else because it's so rare. Right. We consulted with some friends in the US, uh, and they said that they are this is very rare. Um, you know, even if you come over, we don't know whether we can help you. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the um hundred percent uh insurance coverage, right? So uh, maybe Eugene, you wanna like add on here like. Um, in terms of uh, insurance coverage, um, I, I guess not every policy would cover 100%. Like what are the things that people should look out for when it comes to uh, something like this? Okay, I think uh, most Singaporeans uh, understand the importance of hospitalization. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, that one I won't talk much about because I mean, once you enter hospital, definitely you would prefer insurance to cover it than, than you fork out your own cash. Yeah, for sure. And uh, by the way, if anyone hasn't bought that one, it's no longer 100% coverage. Uh. Yeah, last year, March, government already changed the ruling yeah, because people have been abusing the hospital system. Yeah. So uh, they, they treat it like hotel stay, basically. And uh, the, the doctors, unfortunately, also abuse the system. Once they say, oh, you're covered, wah, then send you to all sorts of scan because money, mm. money, money, money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Singapore already not so bad. China is like a lot worse. Mm. Yeah, so the government already dealt with that. So now people have to pay 5% of the co-payment. Yeah. So despite that, 5% still better than nothing, lah, for sure. Right. Yeah, then the, the blind spot, I would say, is most people forget they have to leave the hospital. <laughs> yeah, because the hospital, <clears throat> the bills are covered by hospitalization. And I think a lot of people say cancer insurance, cancer insurance. Actually, they don't really understand what is cancer insurance. They, they thought cancer insurance means when you get cancer, go to hospital, got insurance. Uh, no. <laughs> that one is not called cancer insurance. That is hospitalization insurance. So cancer insurance is when you get cancer, you get a big check. Yeah, People will think like, I get a check for what? You get a check because you can't work uh, anymore or you can't work optimally anymore, depending on your job, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for example, like me, you know, I, I'm a coach, I'm a speaker, I'm a consultant. And definitely if I get Cancer, I won't be like, wow, every day coach five people, you know. I'll be resting, I'll be eating nutritional things, going for therapy. So even if I don't earn zero, I'll earn a small fraction of what I'm earning now. Then where's the rest of the pay coming from? You know, should I call my relatives, call my brother or what? You know, mm-hmm. the best is the insurance actually pays you during this period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, this also leads me to another issue. A lot of people thought they have enough insurance. You know, they, they think, wow, it, the, the, the amount looks a lot, you know. For example, 100,000. It's like, wow, how I wish if I got 100,000 in my bank, that's a lot. But when you calculate your monthly expenses, right, <laughs> you think about it, and then times 12, so that's annual expenses, and then times how many more years you have to live with that reduced income, then I think the 100,000 at most lasts you two, three years, depending on how many children you have. Yeah, mm-hmm. Then after two, three years of spending that 100,000, then the rest of your life do what? You think you can buy another insurance? The answer is no. No, no, no insurance company will cover you again. So mm-hmm. that means your 100,000 or whatever amount actually have to last you very long. You know? <laughs> Not just that two, three years. And I think that's the greatest misunderstanding that people have, which is why the government, you know, MAS, and then the Life Insurance Association, they always do survey. And then they announced to Straits Times that, hey, Singaporean, wake up. <laughs> you know, majority of you are underinsured. That means you only have mm-hmm. 100, 200,000. Not enough, not enough. Go and get more. 
Yeah, but unfortunately, insurance agents have very low level of trust, right? So, you know, on one side, you need insurance. On the other side, insurance agents don't build that kind of trust. So, there's this mismatch for very, very long already. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. So, Kelly, you were shaking your head earlier when he mentioned, when Eugene mentioned 100,000. What are your thoughts on that? Definitely. Um, I think the amount that, that the payout definitely is not enough. Uh, if you think about if you think about uh, how much you need to spend on other stuff, like, uh, you know, for us, I think uh, one of the, the, the changes was obviously to eat healthier, to buy higher quality uh, food. Unfortunately, high quality food today means higher costs. Uh, you know, if you want to look for, you know, better kind of uh, sources of, uh, you know, like chicken or, or vegetables, organic or whatever, you need to, you need to fork out the money. So, the amount that uh, you receive probably is not going to last you even <laughs> two, three years, mm. uh, depending on how, how it's being used. Of course, if you're, uh, uh, for our case, when we did the, I mean, the insurance, it, it covered the outpatient also, which is, I think, very good. Mm. Um, we actually did the follow-up. Um, but uh, it is the kind of bonus that you don't want to get, basically. Um, yeah. So I think the 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 thing that is that like people uh like are very focused on the hospitalization part and the medical part, but not so much on like what happens next, right? Yes. Yeah. So okay, um uh so I just want to do another call out that we are here today to talk about like cancer. Um what happens if uh you have cancer, what happens if you find out somebody that you love has cancer, and um what can you do about it? Um so um yeah, so today, um, if you have any questions, do key them into the comment section. So we will be going through um, some of the like topics that we have on hand. But if you do have anything that you want to ask, whether it is um, about the financial part or emotional part, uh, any questions at all, you can ask Kelly. Kelly's uh, wife is a cancer survivor, so he supported her through that journey. Um, and Eugene, he deals with the financial aspect of uh, preparing people uh, for something like this. So uh, maybe Kelly, also you can share with us, you know, um, what was the most difficult part of the entire process? Wow, what was the most difficult part? I think there were many difficult parts. Um, but I think one of the most difficult part, if you ask me, but as a, as a caregiver plus um, spouse, was that uh, was basically facing the reality that um, we all have uh, about the mortality of our life, right? Um, I still remember very clearly that uh, the night before the major surgery was to happen, um, we basically sat down and we took out a book and we wrote down all the wishes that she had. Um, if let's say, for example, touch wood, anything go wrong, right, with her with her surgery. And um, so that, that's probably one of the hard parts where she had to write down all her wishes. Like this is how what I wish for my daughter, who at the time was about two plus year old. Uh, you know, if, if, if I were to pass away, this is my wish for my, uh, you know, my dad. Uh, this is my wish for my brothers, my sister, whatever, right? So it's not a will, obviously, because there's not a, that's not something you can enforce. But it's something of a wish so that um, whoever is surviving basically can carry out her wish. And the thought that you might just lose your loved ones in a, in a few hours, I think uh, was one of the toughest uh, part of the whole uh, ordeal. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and like, how do you, like, how do you deal with that? And then at the same time, still have to um, stay strong for your wife, right? How do I deal with that? I think, I think there are a couple of, there are a couple of, um, things that I that I uh, did. I think number one was um, uh, my belief that uh, you know every bad so-called bad experience that we have in our lives somehow there is a, you know a, a silver lining to it. So no matter how bad the situation is, um, thinking too much about the future uh, may not be helpful because our minds will always spiral, right? Oh, what if this happened? What if that happened? But it hasn't happened yet. So having the thought that um, how do we cherish the time we have now, right? Uh, how do we put things in proper place so that if anything touch wood happens, 
you know, you won't go into frenzy mode. You 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 really are prepared mentally as well as emotionally. Um, and uh, I think it helps a lot if you have uh, belief there is a that there is a higher uh, you know being what you what some people may call God or what some people may call source uh, that is there to to teach us something. So um, yeah, I think that's the best the best thing that I use to 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 overcome this uh, you know uh, difficult time. Right, right, and um, you know like. Um, sometimes when we hear of people who get cancer, right? Like we we don't really know what to say. Like what are the things that people shouldn't say, maybe, right? Like sometimes you just don't know. You 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 accidentally step on like a minefield, you know? Yeah, yeah, understand. Um, I think things that you shouldn't say are things like oh, stage four, ah, wow, so aggressive, ah. or you know, so, you know, something that that reminds the patient that they are in a bad situation. Mm. I think that's something that that should be avoided. Mm. Uh, and uh, from what, what I remember because I have friends who also had uh, you know their, their spouses having cancer uh, she, she told me that there's very many insensitive words that were uttered to them even by the healthcare workers themselves like uh, you know they, they were like planning for a holiday right uh, I think maybe six months or whatever how many months later because they wanted to, to see uh, you know certain places before you know anything bad happens so, so when, when they plan for such a, a thing, some people are very insensitive, like saying like, ah, you know, forget it, don't plan. Ah. You know, mm. you're, not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to even, don't bother, like, basically, they're, they're yeah. telling them, right? So I think all these are, as much as cancer is a, is a, is a physical uh, uh, condition, I think the mental game is also very important. Mm. Because mm. How, how positive you are, how positive the people are around you, uh, plays a big, big role in terms of your 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 chances of survival. Plus, uh, you know, if you're recuperating, when you're recuperating, how fast you recover. Mm. So okay. I think it's really okay. a, a mental and a and a physical that uh, challenge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got a question from Eileen. Um, Eileen is asking maybe Eugene, you can respond to this question. Um, is MediShield insufficient for covering the cost of cancer treatment? Uh, okay, whenever, whenever we say integrated, uh, integrated, it means it combines MediShield with whichever company like Prudential, AIA, Manulife, and so on. Yeah, I am from Prudential. Uh. So that means whatever you pay an insurance company, they take a portion of it and pay MediShield. Yeah. If you do not buy that private part and only rely on MediShield, uh, my personal opinion is uh, good luck to you yeah, because that's, that's a very, very low cap. Yeah, that means if it's uh, aggressive cancer, then definitely it's going to bust the cap for, for sure. Yeah, so anyway, what is the cap? Like, what is the cap? Well, there's a whole table of different right. caps depending on... Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I want to say is the, there's only one kind of insurance that every insurance company lose money on, as in lose millions of dollars every year. And that's called hospitalization insurance. Mm. And the reason why they lose money is because the government wants people to get so they, they press a cap on the premium. So I don't understand why people don't want to get the integrated insurance. It is very, very low. You know, for example, for a newborn, uh, the whole year, you pay no more than $600 plus. The whole year, you know, $600 plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, you count how many bubble tea you buy for the whole year. I'm very sure it's more than the hospitalization premium. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of people, I have this friend who upgraded to condo, you know, from HDB to condo and then bought a new car. And then he has a newborn. He's my church friend. So I asked him, like, hey, have you bought hospitalization insurance for your baby? I think you can guess the ending of this. He said, I, I can't afford. I said, hey, don't blah, blah. You, you stay in condo, you drive car. Then he actually opened up his laptop and showed me his Excel sheet. I said, oh, sorry, bro. He's in the red almost every month. So I think I cannot understand how people can buy a car and upgrade a condo when they cannot buy $600 worth of per year insurance for their newborn this is really beyond my value system. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I, I just want to remind everybody hospitalization is very cheap. If you find it expensive, there's something wrong with your spending habit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even for an adult like me, the entire year combined is 1000 plus. Whole year, you know, 1000 plus. Like you go to Hokkaido, come back how much already? Like which one is more important? <laughs> Hokkaido or being insured for your hospital? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I hope that answers uh, 
What was her name again? Eileen's question. Ah, Eileen. Eileen's question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um yeah. So we are here to talk about cancer. What happens if you um get cancer? How do you financially prepare yourself? If you have any questions on the topic, or uh even if let's say it is like how to deal with it. Um, how to support somebody with cancer, um, do let, let us know your questions. Um, Kelly, who is a caregiver to his wife who had cancer, um, she, he's able to respond to some of these questions as well as Eugene, who deals with the financial aspect of things. Okay, um, so maybe uh, other questions uh, that I can ask is that like, you know, if let's say you hear of somebody who um, gets cancer other than uh, what we shouldn't say, uh, which is we shouldn't um, like say, oh no, stage four. <laughs> like, uh, what are the things that we should say to them? Yeah, like how should we? I mean, we, we science people don't really know how to comfort um, people right. who are going through something like this. I think, I think we, I, 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 we probably saw two generations of of cancers of, uh, uh, I would say incidents, right? Because of my mother-in-law and then my wife. So um, since, since my mother-in-law passed on and that was, I think, uh, you know, about uh, more than six years ago to not to, to my wife when she had it about two years plus ago, I think a lot of things has improved. Uh, there's a lot new of uh, new treatment uh, for cancer and uh, I would say the cancer is is not one size fits all. It is not like it's not it's not like uh, you say flu, right? There's so many types of flu, corona, whatever. So many types. The same for cancer, right? There's so many types of cancer, and I would say that from my knowledge, most of the cancers today are very treatable. Um, since since my mother-in-law time till my wife's time, there's a lot of breakthrough in terms of uh, of drugs. A lot of breakthrough in terms of uh, you know uh, genetics of um, treating the uh, cancer. Um, one of the things that when my wife was diagnosed, they, uh, the doctor suggested was this thing called um, uh, was basically uh, uh, the name I lose me now. But basically, what happens is that you send the sample of your of the, your cancer uh, growth to the US. They do uh, oh it's called Foundation One. Now I remember Foundation One. It sounds very simple, but actually it's 500 tests that they will do to this uh, cell, cancer cell, and they will help you map out where are the, where are the clinical trials or which are the uh, solution, uh, uh, treatments for this particular cancer. Mm. So it's, very, it's very advanced in the sense that it gives you a, a good sense which are the best treatments that you can have. Even if the, if the treatments are not medically approved yet, um, they also give you what they call compassionate treatment sometimes. If you're okay to sign off, let's say, for example, in my wife's case, because the cancer was so rare, uh, as long as you're saying, okay, there's this trial that was having good, good results, would you like to try it? Right? And you can actually do that. Um, but unfortunately for my wife and myself, her cancer was so rare, none of the 500 matched. Um, but if you have a more common, if I may call it, cancer, uh, I would say that your chances of survival is very, very high. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of new breakthroughs, right, uh, uh, in these last few years. So I think um, what you can say to a, uh, someone who got diagnosed with cancer, I mean, it really depends on what kind of cancer, right, uh, is you can tell them, yeah, there's really a lot of new breakthrough, a lot of, of um, people being cured today on cancer. It is not as scary as it used to be, I would say. I see, I see. So it's always um, the medical space is always improving um, for cancer. Especially this few year, last few years. A lot of investment has gone into cancer drugs and treatment and uh, a lot of breakthroughs. Okay, yeah, I think so that's very encouraging. Yeah. yeah. So we have a question from Kelvin. Um, he says, what if I do not have any coverage and I cannot pay the medical bills? Am I going to be like left to die? <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. In Singapore, uh, it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, seriously. But since you ask this question now, you know, it, it reminds me of people who ask me in church, like, uh, it, uh, can I don't believe God first and then I sin? Yeah, can I, not? I mean, like, what's the intention behind the question? You get I me? Mean? Now that you are still okay and you're not in hospital, why would you ask such a question? You, you should actually get <laughs> your insurance. I mean, don't, I feel that we shouldn't 
stress the, the government and the medical system. I mean, correct. I mean, that's why we have to wear face masks everywhere you go. Yeah. Because of course, our government can take care of us if we got coronavirus. But why would you want to purposely, you know, mm -hmm. test the government? So I suggest don't be, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to be rude, uh, but I, I find that uh, the priority of your spending is to change. Uh. Even mm -hmm. if you only earn $2,000 per month, which is very common in Singapore, you can afford hospital insurance, I guarantee you. Right, the, the poor, I have a lot of poor clients and they can still afford uh, hospital insurance. In fact, now you can even afford cancer insurance, which is the after hospitalization. This was uh, three weeks back. You know, it's like $32 per month. $32 per month. How, how many Starbucks is that? How, how many bubble tea is that? $32 per month. It's like if you say, oh, that's too expensive, bro. That, that means you're not in, you, you don't think you have cancer. Like basically, that, that's your answer. So what happens to people who don't have that, you know? Uh, I, I must confess right now, everyone around me, they including, all by the way, my, my father passed away last year. And thankfully, he is the pioneer generation. So when I got, the, and you know, our father's generation, no, no insurance one. You know, mm -hmm. they used to take the broom and, and chase insurance agent. They said, try, try, try. Wow, what? <laughs> die, die, die. Right. So in the end, they end up with zero insurance. Yeah. So I was quite worried as the sandwich generation, you can imagine, right? I got three children and then I got two elderly parents. And then I was panicking, you know, I was thinking like, oh my God, I don't know what hospital bill I'm going to receive. But when I received, it was like 90 something dollars. I was like, can't be. He went through several rounds of heart surgery and all that. In the end, he, he passed away during the last heart surgery. Yeah. But I was thinking like, if I am the one, right? You can guarantee that my children will not get a bill for $93 because the government has been liberalizing the insurance, right? I mean, opening up to all these private companies to offer. Mm -hmm. So now we no longer have the same excuse of our father. Like we cannot go to a government and say, hey, but you know, I didn't know. Huh? You didn't know? You never heard of MAS, Money Sense, website, internet, Google? <laughs> you never heard of Huawei? <laughs> right. So, I mean, I feel that we, we should not even have this idea that, hey, Maybe I should try my luck. You know, yeah. don't, don't buy. Don't buy. You know, I rather buy bubble tea. And by the way, if you don't buy insurance and buy bubble tea, I guarantee you go hospital. <laughs> How much sugar is there in bubble tea? <laughs> <laughs> I already cut off bubble tea. It's like, oh, no, no more. No more. I got rid of the addiction already. <laughs> okay, we got one question from Sean. Uh, maybe it's uh, for Kelly. So he says, is there a change of the lifestyle of the patient thereafter? I think in recovery. Um, and what was the greatest challenge? I think maybe adapting to like life after cancer. Okay, so there's two parts of the question, right? What, what, any changes in lifestyle? Yes, there's mm -hmm. definitely changes in lifestyle. So we are, I guess, more careful of the food. Uh, what, um, the, what, what we consume. Uh, I think uh, there's also a, a greater uh, urge to exercise. I think that's also one. Um, to, to keep uh, you know ourselves healthy uh, for her I think there's also a more uh, introspection like meditation like uh, you know, yoga much more silent sitting much more uh, self reflection I think that's that's uh, you know very uh, obvious after the, the whole um, you know episode um, and uh, yeah I think uh, uh, you know, Usually, this is, I guess, human nature. When, when right after the whole order, you, you tend to become more extreme. So everything was organic for a while. Everything was, <laughs> was top great. Until you realize, I, I you know, don't really need it. So, so I think come, it came to an equilibrium where, yes, we still buy some organic stuff. Some stuff, you know, you, can, you, can, you don't need organic. So how do you strike a balance? What, what, what do you take that is organic and what isn't organic? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we 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 prefer organic vegetables because I think it tastes okay. nicer, sweeter, um, and uh, you know we've seen some of the pesticides, so we're like, okay, fine. Vegetables are very straightforward, and it's not that much more expensive. Uh, but yeah. things like uh, organic chicken, organic beef, they can they tend to be very expensive. Mm. Uh, so yes, after you know a couple of weeks after the whole operation, yes, you would have that to kind of like build up your strength. But after that, uh, I think not very, not very needed. At least we felt we just decided to buy, I'll say better quality. But the price to quality ratio didn't outweigh. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't extreme basically, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be 
uh, organic. It could be just grass-fed or it could be from a better source that we, we, we know of, right? Uh, yeah, so I think that those are uh, kind of the, the, the things that uh, change for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and then also I think the other question was like the challenge in adapting to this new lifestyle. What was the... Yeah, I, I think the challenge was initially was definitely money in terms of spending so much money on organic stuff uh, and, and uh, trying to get her back uh, you know, to health. Mm. Uh, for us, we, we are a big believer in TCF. Uh, traditional Chinese medicine. So as she was going through the whole chemo uh, cycles, uh, even after the after, you know even after removing the, the the growth, the the doctor said you know just just do chemo just in case. And mm. uh, she she tried to go through the whole cycle. By the end, she was like, okay, just give me some slack, you know, give me some discount. I do eighty percent of it or ninety percent, and then I'm done, right? Uh, because it was really for prevention measure. So mm-hmm. after the whole the whole thing, I think uh, uh, trying to adapt to the 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 area was actually uh, the new lifestyle was actually easy. Hey, hello. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was not, was not easy at, at first because oh hello. <laughs> hello. Oh testament. Uh, yeah. So so I think uh, uh, after that um, having the hey hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes. After <laughs> uh, adjusting to the to the lifestyle was uh was uh the hardest part was was basically um coming to the point that she couldn't do certain physical exercise. Um, so the doctor was basically saying that you can't you can't scuba dive and you can't climb Himalaya. Uh, you know, Mount Everest. But I think that's fine. So basically, you can't go to those uh, high altitude, right? So no, probably no Tibet. Probably no, um, yeah, Himalayan mountains, but I think that's fine. Scuba diving was, I guess, the only regret she wanted to learn, but <laughs> now you can't do scuba diving. So, okay, we have a few other questions. So, I think Eileen wants to ask you, what do you say to encourage and comfort your wife when she felt down during that period? What are the sorry? What are the what? Uh, what do you say to encourage and comfort your wife, uh, when she felt down during this period? I think I think a lot of it is uh, on the values that we share together, and uh, I think this a lot of it is actually to uh, you know see how um, you know the things that, that that we look forward to right like travel, like uh, you know enjoying nature. So I think a lot of it was was that, and I think one of the biggest motivation for her to finish her chemo was uh, to travel because we wanted to go to Japan <laughs> before the, the whole ordeal. And then after the chemo, you know, she was basically just, just negotiating with the doctor, right? So I finished this eighty percent of my chemo, and I, I want to fly. You must you must you know, give me the, the stamp of approval that you are now mm. uh, you know kind of healthy to fly. So mm. I think looking forward to this kind of things like travel, like things you share, um, you know, joy in, uh, mm. looking at nature, looking at the mountains, uh, does actually very help. Like encouraging them that you know there's a lot of memories or like things that we all can look forward to together something correct, like that. correct. and she likes the beach she likes you know those kind of, of things she likes yeah. to swim in the, in the beach she likes snowcat mountains so those are the things that we, we plan to look forward to right nice okay so i got another question from wendy she says um maybe for eugene if i were to get cancer <laughs> insurance how long will i be insured and do i need to renew the insurance after a certain period okay very good question uh, traditionally, traditionally, the old kind of insurance is uh, like travel insurance, like talking about travel. You know? mm-hmm. uh, that means you pay for a certain period, and after that period, if nothing happens to you, then your money is gone. Okay, So this would obviously be the cheapest kind. So just now I mentioned $32 per month, <clears throat> very, very cheap. So obviously, since it's so cheap, uh, there's a downside. So the downside is it insures you for five years, Okay, and after the five-year period, then it will renew another five years at a new price. Okay, and the price is set later. So, so they won't promise you now uh, when is the price. So for people who want to save money now, this sounds like a good deal. Yeah, for, for me, okay, for me, because I have three very young kids and they still have some time to, to go, like, like, like Kelly, uh, you know, very young kids. I got two daughters, one son, and my, my wife doesn't work, by the way. So I cannot... Uh, uh, buy a very cheap insurance and then hopefully five years later, you know, keep renewing. 
Yeah, because if uh, there's underwriting and within this five years something happens to me, then Prudential uh, or any insurance company has the right to say, sorry, you, you cannot renew. So I, I definitely cannot take the first route. Okay. So the first route is really if your cash flow is low, consider that at least better than nothing. The second route is what I took. Okay. So that is I pay for a certain fixed period of time. Let's say I choose 20 years. I mean, now I'm considered quite young, right? 44 to 20 years, 64 is still working period. So I can still afford to pay. Then after that period, then the insurance is considered free. That means I already fully paid up the insurance and for my whole life, I will be covered for cancer. So, uh, I mean, common sense tells us this kind of insurance will cost more, right? I mean, I'm paying like at least, okay, don't, don't, don't fall off your chair. I am paying $32,000 per year to be insured for $2.5 million for, for my family because I have a large family. Yeah, I'm not asking everybody to buy a $2.5 million insurance. Lah. Yeah, but the good news is when I am like 75, I can cancel the insurance. Let's say my children all grow up, right? Then I will still get a substantial amount back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just calculated. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend who is still in uni, so 24 years old. And I quickly calculated for him his cancer insurance. Uh, and uh, he was very pleasantly surprised to know at age 75, when he cancels the insurance, he actually gets more money back than what he paid. <laughs> I mean, this is not savings plan, you know. This is insurance, you know. So imagine you bought for the sake of cancer, but when you don't get cancer, you actually get more money back. So I thought I, I prefer this kind of, than, than the very cheap, but nothing comes back on. Right, yeah. right. Wow, okay. So that's that's quite a, um, that's a, an amount that I think people don't usually hear, like 32000 a year uh, for insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but I'm, 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 I'm sure you're, you're in this space, you you, you definitely know much better uh, about yeah. it as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think we would end the session very soon, but we still have a few more questions that we will answer. Um, if you have any questions, you do uh, drop them in ASAP so that because we will end it very soon. Okay, so um, another question from Sean, he's saying, what is the nominal premium to suit different uh, people? I, I don't know whether you are able to answer this discussion because it's quite specific right like, actually uh, the answer the answer is very simple uh, every time you contact someone like me we key in your birth date it's like ai uh, immediately the premium pops up yeah mm -hmm. so now things have become very very efficient unfortunately the government doesn't really allow uh everybody to just key into a website and find out how much is the premium yeah some some companies do offer that yeah but it's very dangerous because most people are, I mean, we don't have financial education in primary school, secondary school, and some who study uh, and degree also graduate without any financial education. So it's very, very dangerous to go into a website and key in your birth date, and then they might buy the wrong kind of insurance. So right, right now, it's still mainly through advisors like ourselves. Yeah. So just now, I mentioned about 25 years old is $32 per month. Uh, I calculated for myself also. I'm 44, by the way, in case you're guessing how old I am. So I'm 44. And then uh, my insurance, you want to guess? Drum roll. It's $90. 90 $90 per month. Super, super affordable in my personal opinion compared to $32,000 per year. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Another, I think uh, this is the other question we got. I, I then, uh, that should be about it. Uh, from Mel C, how do you, okay, I think this is for Kelly. How do you advise people about finding specialists? Um, and when would you think that it's uh, necessary to seek a second opinion, especially in regards to like surgical skills and outcomes and stuff like that? Like, how do you find the best option for yourself? Uh, for us, I think um, we, we asked around, I think we, we use our contacts, we ask our friends and families and we ask who are the you know, people who are known in this, uh, you know, in this, in this field. And, uh, you know, when we asked for opinions, we also asked, because we were, uh, NUH was the one that was uh, predominantly looking after my wife, but we also went to um, other hospitals to ask and most likely than not, if this is something there is a, a, a rare cancer for in terms of like for, for my wife, a few names will always pop up, right? Because they know who are the ones in, in this particular field that are known to, to treat such cancers.
But if it's a more common cancer, then I guess um, uh, you know you you probably have more options in terms of the of the doctors that could possibly treat. Uh, I'm a believer that uh, you should ask actually more than one person uh, for their opinion. Uh, maybe because of my uh, data statistics on that. So you should ask more people so that you can then come to a conclusion what is the best option because ultimately it's your life, right? Or your, or your, or your loved one's life. And uh, you might not want to just listen to one particular uh, doctor who maybe has, um, you know, has always done this, this particular way, right? Um, yeah, so I think, I think the best way is really to ask around um, and go to, I think, the, all the major uh, public hospitals. Um, if your insurance can cover private hospitals, definitely talk to some private um, doctors. Um, and what we did also was very interesting. We asked some of our friends who used to visit these doctors before, or even some of our friends who are doctors, we asked them, hey, what do you think of this doctor? Is he or she all out for money or really cares for the patient? So I think there's actually a, a, a difference when you meet certain doctors. Some of them really care for the patient. You can see it in their eyes, the way they talk. Um, and you know that whatever they, they recommend to you is probably the best option. Um, so I, I would definitely encourage anyone who, who has that uh, uh, option, I mean, that, that who comes into that kind of uh, situation, speak to definitely the public doctors um, because I feel that the public doctors, or the public, the doctors in the public um, hospitals, especially the very senior ones, who have the opportunity to just leave and and just you know go to private practice, but they didn't, they stayed on. I think you have a high chance that these doctors uh, have a lot of compassion for their for their patients, because these guys are like top of the game, and they can probably earn much 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 more money if they became private. But for whatever reason, they're staying behind in the public hospital and serving uh, patients. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely encourage you to speak to uh, these uh, top private, uh, sorry, public doctors. Mm, so like very senior doctors in like public hospitals. Yes. Okay, okay. Okay, so maybe I think we can end this session. Um, thank you all for um, being here today and um, thank you everybody who tuned in. So I just want to end this session by maybe uh, both of you can respond to one final question, which is what would be your advice to others? Um, firstly, two, I mean two groups of people. The first group being um, those who, have, uh, who don't have cancer and then the second group being people who actually got diagnosed with cancer. Maybe uh, Eugene, you want to start first? Okay, <clears throat> I think uh, I, I have good friends who is uh, also wife had cancer and he told me, uh, because we are both in the training space, so the first thing he told me was he immediately reviewed all his plans. Yeah, you know, because a lot of people once upon a time bought insurance and then life got too busy. He became a father, worked. Uh, then I even went overseas, for example, me, I went to Hong Kong, came back. So it was a long time since I reviewed my own insurance before I even joined this, this field. And for him, it was a wake-up call because his wife had uh, cancer. So he immediately reviewed his insurance because it will be a tragedy if uh, not only physically are they destroyed, then you know, financially they become uh, you know, destroyed. Yeah, so he took care of it. So I would say... Uh, for the person with without cancer, you know, don't, don't be complacent. Right? I'm, I'm not saying that you will get cancer, lah, but at least always do risk assessment, right? Right. Yeah. So same same way why we wear masks to, to do risk assessment and, and management. So that, that's the first one. For for the person with cancer, I, I happen to have a lot of friends. My auntie also had cancer, and then some of my clients got cancer. Uh, they are actually living life fully uh, with, with some restrictions, of course, right? I mean, uh, food intake. In fact, all of us should have food intake restriction, <laughs> not, not just people with cancer. Yeah, uh, just that because they already went through surgery and all that, they are a lot more careful. Yeah, but I see that they are still very joyful. <laughs> you know, uh, I think joy doesn't come from whether you have cancer or not. You know, it's really a state of mind. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I have a lot to learn from my friends who uh, recovered from cancer. You know, some even had the whole stomach removed from them. Uh, someone in my church, 
like while he's going around, uh, sharing, and then asking me, Eugene, how are you doing? I, I thought I should be the one asking him how he is, right? But he's asking me. So I think people with cancer, um, I, I don't want to sound too frivolous, lah, but uh, we, we should just, you know, put the help aside and the state of mind still remain healthy and, and joyful. Like the name Hua Hi, you know, happy. <laughs> Maybe happy. Yeah, then somehow I believe that happiness somehow changes the cell. No? Be very healthy as well. Yeah, so this is what I would say to these two group of people. Mm. Okay, great, great. Can you about you? I think I, I definitely echo a lot of you know what uh, Eugene's saying. Um, uh, I, as I mentioned just now, I think cancer is a both a physical as well as a mental game. Uh, and uh, you know your 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 mind controls a lot of how your body reacts, uh, as well as how the people around you reacts. So having a, a, a positive um, you know, support uh, system, whether it's the spouse or whether it's the brother, sister, whether it's their parents or whoever is supporting this patient, um, I think it's very important uh, because there will be down days, there will be up days, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's very important to, to have the kind of positive mindset. So I think, uh, you know, having uh, the kind of support is very, very important. I think even more important than, um, you know, what kind of treatment you're going after because the treatments, as I mentioned, can, can they're very advanced now, right? And uh, you can have the best treatment, but if you're, if you're psychologically affected and the people around you are not giving you the kind of uh, support, it could, it could, I guess, make the difference between having a good ter a therapy and a bad therapy, right? Uh, so I think I think that 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 support group, that kind of mental uh, thing, is, is so 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 important. Understated, in fact, most of the time. Um, and I think I think a hope for the future, as I think I mentioned, is also very important. Uh, so in in my case and my wife's case, we 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 try to plan into the future, even though we know the future is unknown. Anything can happen. Cancer can you know uh, come back again um, anytime. And even those without cancer, you can get cancer anytime. So one of the the jokes, I would say, I want to call it a joke now, you know, you're looking at it, was that we were saying, how come everyone is having, is so many people are getting cancer now? Uh, we, this was the question I asked my wife and my wife asked me. It's like, it's like the common flu we were saying to each other because at the time we were not so, we were not so, uh, you know, obviously we didn't see so much cancer until my wife had cancer, right? So her friends, her aunties, uh, you know, different groups of, of people that we suddenly realized had, had cancer. Um, so I would say that this is probably a um, something that we shouldn't take too lightly. Our 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 lifestyle, the way that we handle stress, the way that uh, we handle emotions, uh, I feel is a very very big part of of the whole reason why there's so much cancer coming up. And uh, we do definitely have to take care of our, our, both our mental health as well as our physical health. Yeah. So for those who are healthy, my message is uh, take care of your mental health as well as your physical health. Don't, don't just take care of your physical health because mm -hmm. physical, you can, see, you can see very obvious. People can see it very obviously, but mental health is something that's very uh, invisible to a lot of people. A lot of people have suffered depression. A lot of people have suffered emotional trauma. Uh, you know, which may result in cancer. Right? Of course, we don't have enough evidence to, to say whether it did, but I, I have this very um, big intuition that it does. And uh, I think a lot of people have, have uh, you know, when, when you look at cancer survivors, we always ask them, How, what was your lifestyle before you got, you know, you, you realized you got cancer? And most of them say that, you know, they were in a very stressful place or they were doing something that really impacted them and they, you know, that resulted in, in you know, cancer. Yeah, so that's that's probably my my uh, kind of advice for those who are healthy. Wow. Okay. Um. That that's a very uh powerful point at the end. Um. To sum up everything. Uh. Thank you all for coming today. So I think sure, that sorry, when sorry. you sorry yes sorry I have a public service announcement. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, twenty six August. Uh, every single insurance company in Singapore will be changing the definition of critical mm -hmm. illness, including cancer, including cancer. Yeah, so I think a lot of people somehow forgot it because last, last year's Straits Times actually announced 
But yeah. now, you know, everybody's talking about COVID-19, no, nobody bother. So I, I suggest everybody should look for their financial consultant and ask, hey, what was going on? Should I do something about it? And of course, if you don't have a trusted one, I'm always here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, I can uh, share like a link to your page as well in the comments. Uh, anything uh, people can look for you, Eugene. Yeah. Um, and uh, for Kelly, I think maybe we can do another session on you because you talk about like, mental health and stuff like that. So I think it's very relevant. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And the seniors, I think. Yes, yes, definitely. We can, we can do that. Yeah. Thanks both for uh, joining today and spending one hour <laughs> to talk about this topic. So um, if there's any like uh, questions or like comments that people have, then uh, we will, I'll put the link to the pages and stuff like that uh, to connect with both of you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Yes. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye.